Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Thanks for making the effort to be here. And uh, got a little got a little bit of snow yesterday, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, we are in the middle of a series entitled Abide, and, and uh, we want to highlight some things, uh, like Pastor Mike said, you know, about our church and what God is doing. And, um, you know, as a church, we believe that the church is a movement. Movements move, and if you're not moving, you're not part of that movement. And, you know, ultimately, the church is, in many ways, it's an organism, and it's growing, and it's changing, and it's, uh, it's different from uh, week to week and month to month, and, and uh, we're definitely thankful for all the things that God is doing in our church, and we recognize uh, with um, bringing uh, Ben, um, uh, uh, becoming a part of the counseling ministry, and also Jen's going to be helping out with that. And one of the components of that, right, is that um, other people are going to be doing counseling in the church. Now, we said this several months ago, is that you're going to see the pastors do less and less of the ministry and more and more of the equipping. So my uh, responsibility, and Pastor Mike, and Pastor John, and even Ben, our responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, because many of the things that happen around the church on a weekly uh, basis, um, for, for many of you as a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, those are things that you personally deal with other people and uh, can help others be the disciple that God has called them to be. Now, all God's people said, Right? Now, this isn't a church where you pay the pastors to do the work of the ministry. Um, Our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And I love what Mike said this morning about the kids' ministry. Um, There is this this gap in most of the uh, ministry in church in general. And, uh, you know, I think it would be great if we had some men that would say, man, I want to invest in the lives of young people and in the next generation. I remember when I was in high school, there was a man, I grew up in the South, so we have really weird names down there, right? <clears throat> There's a gentleman, and he's, he's, he goes to the church. Every time I go home to Winter Haven, and I go to church, there's an old man, stands at the back of the door. His wife's name is Alvin, all right? Alvin Walker, you don't meet too many Alvines anymore. And his name was Erskine. That was his name, Erskine Walker. And Mr. and Mrs. Walker surrendered their life to serve young people so that they could come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And what was fascinating about that, I was probably, uh, when I joined the youth department, I was about 15 years old, and I, I stayed there at that church until I graduated. And um, they were at that time, I, I'm pretty confident, in their 60s, and they were, they were mentoring young people to know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Now, was Erskine like the coolest cat? No, he wasn't. He worked for uh, a company that dealt with orange groves, and we had a lot of orange industry down there, and so that's what he did for a living. Uh, but as an old-timer, I remember we'd go out and we'd play softball, and he'd play softball with us, and he'd run the bases, and uh, he'd go on trips with us and, and all the different things. But I knew this about Erskine. I knew that man loved me. And I knew that I was at home, and I had an abusive father in my home, and I knew that there was a vacuum of male leadership in my life. And that man surrendered his life to make disciples that make disciples. Now, here's the crazy thing about that. Erskine never got to probably leave Florida and preach in a place like, like London or Wales or to go to um, uh, you know, uh, Belgium or into France or some other countries like that. But he got to go because he invested in my life. And because of his investment in my life, I've been able to start a church here and pastor a church here. I've been able to go to places all over the world and share the gospel. 
And so guess what? That's fruit to his account, amen? And some of you like, might think, well, man, I'm not called to be on the platform. I'm not called to preach a message. No, but we're all called to love one another. And we're all called, every single one of us, we're all called to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And the moment, the moment that you were saved, you were simultaneously called into the mission of God. And so as a church, we're here not to be an audience. We're here to be an army. We're here to gather and worship, and we come in every week to encourage one another and to lift one another up, and then we leave this place and we enter into the harvest fields where people don't know Christ as their personal Savior. And we have the wonderful opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of things that we can do in life, and there are a lot of things that we can accomplish and a lot of accolades that we can uh, achieve in our life. But none is greater than knowing that you follow Jesus faithfully with the life that God had given to you. Nothing's greater than that. And so this morning, we want to encourage you to do that. And Mike already mentioned, I know Catherine's going to be at the back table today. Um, Those cards aren't actually in your bulletin, but Catherine will have them at the back table. If you weren't here last week and you didn't sign up for a ministry or a growth group, we're assuming, we're just assuming, if you're here, you want to grow in your faith. We're assuming that you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and that you want to be a disciple of Christ. And so um, our responsibility as pastors is to encourage you. And I love Hebrews because it just fits my personality because we're to love and to provoke, right? The old King James says we goad one another. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds like I'm going to push you over the edge, right? Um, When I was in junior high, my brother owned a bungee jumping company, right? And so he would take, this is, the, this is no lie, my brother's 16 years older than I am, and, and he had a bungee jumping company, and so we went up to Panama City Beach, I spent spring wake with him for the, for the uh, week, and he took me up 150 feet in the air, I think that's the, the height that you would go, and they had a bungee cord, and you'd go up in this, this uh, metal box, kind of like a, a phone box type thing that you're going up to repair stuff, and so they'd lift the crane up, and then you get up there, and this is no joke, a lot of people that were brave would just jump, like they'd just go all in like this. Well, I was probably 13 right? Now, I wasn't going to jump face first because I'm just, I love my brother, but I don't trust him. And so I didn't know, like, I mean, seriously, it's made of rubber bands. I'm just saying, you know? And so I got up there and most people would hold on to the back of that thing and they would, they would go three, two, one. And then you, you're supposed to let go and fall backwards, right? Well, he had everyone down below say three, two, one, bungee. And I, I didn't let go. <laughs> like I just stood there when I'm 13 years old, right? And he looks at me, this is my brother, this is how I grew up. He goes, look, I'm going to do three, two, one, one more time. And you're going to have the opportunity to let go. If you don't let go, I'm just going to let you know you're a workman and you're my brother and I love you and you're going to be tough and I'm going to push you out of this cage, right? And so when I, so, so, so when you, when, when I love and provoke, it's probably not a good biblical example, right? <laughs> right? But, but we do, we, we love you. We love you enough to push you in the right direction. We love you enough to encourage you to go down the path and on the journey that God has called you to. And what we find in John chapter 15 is one of the, one of the, one of the really neat passages of Scripture. I love that we're taking an entire month just to expound on and to explain what Jesus was talking about when he was speaking of the vine and the branches and the fruit that should come from those of us who know and follow Jesus Christ. And in our text, Jesus again is preparing his disciples for the time when he would no longer be with them, and he invited his disciples into an intimate communion with him, and then he commissioned them. He sent them out to spread the gospel and the good news to those in the known world at that time. And so 
what we want to look at today is found in verse number two. He says, every branch in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And, and, and the branch, and every branch that does not bear fruit, the Bible says he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Now, the concept that we want to understand today, and what we want to learn, the truth in this text is this, pruning leads, and you might jot this down today because it's not in your notes, pruning leads to consecration, which means personal holiness. And our holiness uh, simply is another way uh, that theologians would say our sanctification. And sanctification just simply means that we are set apart for good works. And, and do you realize this morning that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, You've been set aside for a purpose. You've been set aside for something good. Not something good, something great. And so pruning involves God preparing us. Get this. Pruning involves God preparing us for every good thing that he has for our lives. That's what pruning does. Pruning prepares us for every good thing God has prepared for our lives. In fact, before you were ever born, God had a purpose for your life, and if you follow Christ today, he will prune you so that uh, you can experience more of his blessing in this life and in the life to come. Listen, I hope you know this today. God has more for you today. God has more for you. He has more than the nine to five. He has more than uh, the marriage. He has more than whatever achievements or hopes or dreams or, or pursuits that you have in your life. He has something on a scale that's so grand, we can't really comprehend or wrap our minds around. Many Christians today, and this is what's very unfortunate, is many Christians today are bored. They're just bored with the kingdom. They're bored with the calling of God on their life. And, and personally, I know in my life, when I tend to struggle with sin and to be tempted to do things that, that are outside of God's design for my life, it's because I'm bored. It's because I've I've lost a vision for God's kingdom, a vision for God's uh, plan for my life. I've, I've lost the purpose for which I was created. Because listen, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but when you know the purpose of God in your life, it's all the focus you need to do what God has called you to do. And there's no greater joy in doing that. Now, oftentimes when we get bored, we can settle for less. And in boredom, many pursue the temporary pleasures above the dynamic purpose of God that he has for them. It might be an entertainment or, or safety for ourselves and for our children or success, power, recognition, or even financial security. All good things, but not the things necessarily that God has called us to, not the things that God is inviting us into to experience. Well, these are the very things that the disciples were seeking, and that's why Jesus said in this passage of Scripture, it um, uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. These were men that were following Christ. But he knew, Christ knew, that he had to make room for some great things in their life by removing some other things in their life. And so they thought that this is what Jesus came to give them, success and power and recognition. I mean, Later on, two of the disciples said, we want to request something. And they're like, what? What do you want? And, he, and they say, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left. These guys just wanted to be in power. And so this was the things that they were seeking. And the kingdom of God, listen, 
The kingdom of God is so much more. Please note this today. The kingdom of God is so much more than what this world has to offer. What God has prepared for those of us who know, love, and follow Jesus will blow our minds. And what I want us to get our hearts around this morning is this. The call to follow Christ and to be fruitful is a call for more, not less. Now, some of you this morning, you're thinking, man, does God want me to give up this? Does God want me to give up this? Because, man, if I give this up, I'm going to miss this, and you fill in the blank. Or, man, my life will feel empty if I don't have this in my life, or if I don't achieve this, or if I don't, if I don't gain this, if I don't, if I don't have this as a part of my identity. Like my, I'm going to be less of a person. But now the call to follow Christ and to be fruitful is a call for more, not less. But often we need pruning to get to less so we can have room for more. Well, I'm going to say that again. Often we need pruning to get to less so we can make room for the more that God has in store for our lives. Now, is it possible this morning that in order to be more and do more, you have to get rid of everything that's hindering God's best in your life? I want you to think about that for a minute. We're talking about the state of the church address, and ultimately we're thinking corporately about what God wants our church to do this year, but I want you to kind of narrow that down for just a moment. And I want you to consider what does God want from you this year? Where does God want you to grow this year? What would, what would it look like to have the power of God on your life individually? If, if it didn't happen to anyone else this year, but it happened to you, and you opened up your life and your heart and your, 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 your agenda and your dreams and your, your pursuits to only what God has for you this year. What type of blessing do you think God would have coming your way if you were to open your life up to him in that way? It's possible that in order to be more and do more, you have to get rid of everything that is hindering God's best in your life. And a life of blessing and service is surrendered to God's will, even when it includes the painful process of pruning and consecration. And it begins with this morning, the proclamation of position. I want you to read with me in verse number one. Jesus says, I am. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus makes uh, this statement in this passage, I am the vine. Jesus is the center of the Christian faith. And this, I am the vine, is the last of the seven I am statements where he's claiming deity. He's claiming that I alone, I am the vine, and the vine alone is the one who gives life. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, so many of us, we try to fill our life up with things that will never satisfy us. We try to fill it up with success and money and relationships. We try to fill it up with achievements. We try to fill it up with, um, uh, you know, uh, work accomplishments. And we try, uh, on and on and on we can go. I mean, I mean, just this week, Jeff Bezos and his wife have been married for 25 years. He's worth $136 billion, the richest man in all the world right now. And listen, he's splitting it in half with his wife, his ex-wife now. And she's going to make the Forbes top ten list next year as one of the richest women in the world. And you can have everything you want. Many of you remember several years ago, Tiger Woods at the pinnacle of his game. I mean, I, I, mean, I used to golf, but even if you're not an avid golfer, you knew who Tiger Woods was. I mean, I mean he, was, he was all over the news and had a beautiful wife, a model wife, right? A home, like two kids, home in Florida. He's winning tournament after tournament, about to pass Nicholas's record, 
and then all of a sudden it's found out that he has a problem with just uh, sleeping around over and over with women that were not his wife. And, and really, for the last decade, his career dovetailed. And here was a man that had everything. And I want to tell you this morning, in life, in life, if you try to fill your life with anything other than what you were created for, it's going to be like drinking sand. You see, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this, that eternity has been written on our hearts, and so we were made for more. We were made for Christ. And I like what um, uh, Andrew Kuyper said. He goes, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign uh, over all, does not cry, mine. And this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, every area, every facet, every single part of your life belongs to Jesus Christ. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is declaring his deity that he is God. I recognize this morning that as a follower of Christ, we often struggle and we stumble in the journey of faith. Being a follower of Christ isn't always the easiest thing to do. Putting your faith in a God you cannot see and trying to figure out the will of God for your life when everything seems to be falling apart. But oftentimes, we do not allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life. You guys with me today? So many times we don't allow him to be the Lord, even though he is Lord. He's sovereign over everything. But I want to say this to you this morning. He's either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. And so for some of you this morning, there's an area of your life, and it's not an area, there's a difference between struggling with sin and saying, you know, I struggle in this area, I'm trying to have victory in this life, and I'm walking with Christ in this area. But there's some of you that you have blocked off areas of your life, and you say, look, I'm just not giving this to Christ. I'm just not going to allow this to be a part of the area that he's sovereign over. And I want you to understand this morning, for those of us who understand the proclamation of position, who Jesus really is, we understand first and foremost that he's the source of salvation. We understand that there is one thing in this text that Jesus makes very clear, and that he is the source of life. And everyone that follows him will know eternal life. There's no other way except by following him and being his disciples. There are no substitutes. Jesus later would say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And so many people try to find joy and peace and purpose from the temporary pursuits of life, but they're, they're all substitutes, and every time they'll leave you unsatisfied, longing for something more. Jesus is the source of our salvation. He's the source of life and joy and peace and purpose. And, and, and if you want to live with purpose and you want to live for eternity, listen, mark it down. Jesus is the only option. Jesus is the only option. There's no substitutes for Jesus. And yet, in this text, Jesus is inviting us, listen to this. Do you get this this morning? Man, wrap your heart around this. Jesus is inviting you and me into a living relationship with him. You guys with me? Because here's the thing. I think sometimes for some of us, we've lost the curiosity of who Jesus is. And that's kind of what we, I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But not only is he the source of salvation, but we should seek him with singularity. When we understand who he is, it ought to blow us away. Because Jesus says, I am the vine. This is the proclamation. Jesus is central to those who follow him. He's the source of salvation, strength. He's the source of significance. Where do you find your identity in this morning? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your kids? Is it in your job? 
Is it in, is it in your status? Is it in whatever it is that you think is most valuable at this moment? Or do you find your identity singularly in Jesus Christ today? The disciples were most concerned uh, with overthrowing the Roman government and revolting against the Pharisees. And in chapter 13, Jesus showed them servanthood by washing their feet. Jesus said, this is really kind of what it's about. It's about me coming to love you, and it's about me coming to serve you. And if you're going to change the world, it's not going to be through position, but it's going to be through being a servant. And so he was trying to invite them into seeking him, not, listen, not what he could give them. So many of us this morning, we follow Christ, or we say we follow Christ, because we think that he's going to make our life better. We think that he's going to bless us with all the good things that we want in our life. And that's not the case at all. Jesus isn't an addition to our life. He's the centerpiece through which all of life flows. And instead of following him uh, for what he does, listen, instead of following Jesus for what he does, how about we follow him for who he is? And that's why Jesus says, I am, I'm the vine. And I'm afraid that many of us this morning, and I could be guilty of this as well, we've kind of lost the curiosity of Jesus. We've just kind of lost the curiosity of opening our Bible and reading it just to know more about him just to get closer to him, just to understand who he was and what he was about and to have our lives reflect his purpose and our lives around those that we love the most and those that we're called to serve. I'm going to tell you this, your spiritual life is in trouble the moment that you lose awe and wonder of who Jesus is. When you get bored with Jesus and when Jesus isn't enough, God help us if we've gotten to the place in our our walk and our our, our relationship with Jesus Christ where we've lost the awe and, and the wonder. John and Jenna and the group saying today, his love never fails. And do you just for a moment, just for a moment, think about the love of Christ? Um, this week, I'll just share this testimony with you. We took in a foster kid that we thought we were going to have for about 30 or 60 days. And that young man came to our home on Sunday afternoon. And this past Friday, he left because of some uh, aggressive behavior. And because he wasn't in an abusive situation, we were um, we were asked to, to basically put him back into uh, his home with his mom because he was acting out in some, some pretty aggressive ways. And I told my wife, um, I think it was Thursday night, uh, the night before we sent him home, I said, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm just, I'm just being pretty transparent this morning with you. I said, you know, I, I'm having a hard time loving this kid. <laughs> you know, if it was one of our girls, I'd just you know, crack him over the bottom and we'd call it a day, you know. But you can't do that when you have a foster child in your home. And I just told her, I said, yeah, I'm having a hard time loving him. And, and uh, she goes, well, you'll love him. I said, I know I'm going to love him. I'm having a hard time doing it. And I was standing in the shower the next morning. I just, for a moment, I just had this sense of, of helplessness come over me. Because I thought, man, what am I going to do? And how are we going to do this for the next two months? And, 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 and one night he just threw a fit. And we just couldn't calm him down. And here my wife, and my wife's super good about this. She just loved on him and, and just cared for him. And. And uh, the next day, I had Ellie in the car. I said, you know, baby, I want you to understand something. Daddy's having a hard time loving this young man, and, and I don't care to share that with you, but I want you to understand, you know, it's a great picture of unconditional love. So I'm going to tell you, you know that little boy and how he was acting? I act like that all the time with Jesus. I throw my hands up in the air, and I kick my feet in the air, and I throw the good things that he gives me back at him. And yet he stands, and he pursues me with his love. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, when we lose the awe and wonder of the love of Christ in our lives, boy, we're heading down a path that's to our demise. I want to encourage you today as we understand 
that Jesus Christ, this proclamation that he makes, that we never lose awe of who he is. That we never lose the desire and the curiosity to draw close to him and understand him. Because listen, before we're anything, before we're anything, before I'm a dad, before I'm a a husband, before I'm a pastor, listen, I'm nothing more than a branch on the vine. And all that I have, and all that I have to give, and all that I, I plan to be, all of that comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. We're called to a living union, drawing close and yielding to his plan. And this provides space for God to do more in your everyday life with him. But then secondly, I want to make mention of the caution pretender. Because in verse number two, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. He goes on later to say uh, that he pulls those other branches away and he throws them in the fire. But Jesus said that there are branches that do not bear fruit. And I want to make a quick note of this. There's branches that don't bear fruit and they be, they'll be taken away. And ultimately, the metaphor, it's, it's one that can be confusing and somewhat overanalyzed. But it simply means that there are going to be those who never genuinely and authentically believed in Jesus Christ. In fact, Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this passage says this. He goes, listen, there's no such thing as a a no-fruit Christian or a no-fruit follower of Jesus Christ. And so when we speak in terms of authenticity, that sounds somewhat generic. But I want to tell you, how do you know if you are authentically following Jesus Christ? And then we're going to talk about pruning in just a moment. And I've got to hurry along here, but when you think about pruning, pruning is often painful, Right? I mean, something is being clipped away from your life that you think that you need, right? And so ultimately what reveals or exposes the authenticity of or the genuineness of our faith is when tragedy comes or when difficulty comes or when obstacles come, do we turn in faith to Christ or do we turn away from him and try to deal with things on our own? Man, so many times in our our ministry here, we've seen people that have gone through difficult times and And for some of those folks, boy, they really lean in and you can see the fruit of the Spirit and you can see their faith strengthened and you can see others around them blessed, not because they're some spiritual giant, not because they have some great faith, because they're putting their faith in the one who can make a difference. That's what reveals the authenticity of our faith. That's what reveals the genuineness of whether or not we're followers of Jesus Christ. And you look, Jesus is talking to 12 disciples. Now, when we get to the end of the story, are there 12 disciples that are still following Jesus Christ? No, man. One cat was like, I'm going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. I'm going to get what I can get. And so he followed Jesus just simply because he was trying to use Jesus as a, as a means to an end. But I want to tell you this morning, if Jesus decides to expose our lack of authenticity, well, that's a good thing. Because he has invited us in that moment to follow him and experience his purpose for our lives. So I just want to be careful this morning to ask you. And I think it's, I think the, the, the reality of and the weight of this passage needs to set with us for a minute. Are we genuinely following Christ or are we pretending? And then the third thought is this, is the power of pruning. The power of pruning. Now Jesus said that our Heavenly Father, read this with me again. I'm the true vine and Jesus says my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus said that my heavenly Father is the vine dresser. And listen, he lovingly, God, lovingly and compassionately, with precision, prunes those of us 
who follow him. And when he does this, he's acting in love, he's acting in mercy, he's acting in kindness. God as a father is compassionate. God as a father is not acting from a distance. He is near. He isn't angry. Listen, pruning isn't about God disciplining you because you've done something wrong. It's about God making more room for the good things and the great things that he has in store for you in your life. And so he steps towards those who follow him with love. So any hurt, difficulty, or, or, um, or pain, or trial is to be viewed, listen, as an act of mercy. If there's anything in our life that causes us to reach out for more of God and to say, God, I need your help, that, my friends, is the greatest act of mercy that God could put us in a position to receive. The moment that we feel our most helpless is the greatest moment that we have to experience the nearness and the power of God in our lives. Because ultimately, pruning, cutting back the things in your life to make room for the better things or the great things in your life, pruning you, pruning opens you up. It opens you up. I mean, when everything is okay in life, we tend to just go about our business, don't we? We tend to just move along and, and we don't really give notice to a lot of things. But when you're in pain, pain helps you to recognize that there are other things going on. Can I get an amen on that today? Maybe back pain. It might be a it might be a um, uh, um, a diagnosis that you received. It might be um, you know uh, breaking a foot or whatever. You begin to realize like. Oh my word! Like, I mean, when I get sick, like I'm a baby, right? I do. I, I'm just, I'm pretty, pretty worthless. I'll just own that. Um, and about a year ago, I got the flu, and it was, and I was bad. I mean, it was bad. I didn't leave my room for two days, and I called April in, and I said, "Baby, come in, come in." And she comes in. And I said, "I just want you to know I love you." She's like, "Why are you talking to me this way?" I said, "I don't know if I'm gonna make it." I just want you to know that the the uh, the will and trust is in the cabinet. It's in a red folder. Red means dead. I call the kids in here. I want to give them my last wishes. I'm that dead serious. I did this. And then and then when I get sick, I'm not kidding, man. Like I just start confessing stuff. God, I, please forgive me for saying this to Pastor Mike, and um, please forgive me for having bad thoughts about John, and you know. Um, then, and then I confess all my sins, and then I start confessing April's, you know. I know she did this, and I know she's not right with you, but please don't let me be sick because of her. You know, I mean, I know I'm supposed to be the head of the house, but you know, she's hard to lead, you know. And so I'm kidding. wouldn't say that if I meant it. Calm down, people. <laughs> and John's not too bad, and Mike's, Mike's pretty cool. But, but you know what I'm saying? When you're in pain, like it opens you up, doesn't it? It gets your attention. And I want to tell you something. When God gets your attention, it's not because you're in trouble. It's because he has something good for you. When you get sick, purging yourself of a virus, you're getting rid of the bad out of your life. Something's going wrong with your immune system. It's the same thing with God. I mean, he's opening us up. And out of our pain comes God's purpose. Yeah, it hurts, but he's, he's making room for more blessing in your life. And I want to ask you this morning, what difficulty has God allowed that he may be using to bear fruit in your life? Because listen, I want to tell you, you might write this down. God wouldn't allow it if he wasn't going to use it. Amen? 
God wouldn't allow it if he wasn't going to use it. And he uses it for the production of fruit. Mike's going to talk about this in ex- uh, more extensively next week. But the potential when God cuts away the debris in our life is a greater abundance of fruit to bring glory to his name. And this is the promise that God makes to those who follow him that, that we will be fruit. And listen, hey, listen, Jesus said, I've, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you that you might bear much fruit. He says in this text that you'd bear fruit, that you would prove to be my disciples. And so your life and your hurt and your trial has the potential to bear fruit, and your Father's with you every step of the way. And I'm going to tell you, the most painful times in my life have been the most blessed times in my life, not, be, not just because of the production of the fruit, but listen, because of the presence of the Father. The presence of the Father. One writer said, your Heavenly Father is never nearer to you than when He is pruning you. And there have been seasons in my life where I have hurt. There have been seasons in my life where I've been so alone, where I didn't even know if God knew what he was doing. And I, was, I remember one time in my living room on 329 Blaine, and I just sat in my living room, and I cried, and I said, God, I know that you're going to work this out for my good, and I know that's in the Bible, but I don't see it. I sure don't feel it, and I don't know when it's coming. But if you want me to be faithful to you, I need strength to take the next step, whatever that is, because I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. And there are moments in our life and seasons in our life where we struggle to know what to do, struggle to believe. And it's in those moments that if we'll listen to God's voice and we'll seek his presence and we'll follow him for who he is and not what he can do, listen, he will never be more near than anyone that you've ever been near to. And that, my friend is what we need in the moment when we need the divine. Because when we need something to soothe and balm the soul, booze can't do that, sex can't do that, success can't do it, entertainment can't do it. Yeah, it might feel good for a minute, but I'm telling you, nothing soothes the soul and bombs the soul like the presence of God. Nothing. Man, the Bible's so filled with promises of God's presence for those who follow and obey His Word. He draws near when life gets confusing and hard. I can give te- Mike can give testimony of that. John and Jenna, we're going to pray for them later today. They can give testimony. So many of you in this room today can give testimony about how God draws near when life is, was confusing and life is hard. But hang in there because God's at work and He's present. But then we also see the purity of our faith. You see, God doesn't just remove the bad, but also sometimes he gets rid of the good and the better so that we can enjoy the best. Right? I'm going to say that again. God doesn't just remove the bad, but he gets rid of the good and the better so that we can enjoy the best. But friends, I want to tell you this. God's not interested in a bigger crop. He's interested in a better crop. Pruning reveals what needs to go. Pruning reveals what needs to go. Oftentimes, God disciplines us when there's sin in our life, and that needs to go. But this is different. Pruning is different because it's necessary. And listen, ultimately, pruning removes selfishness. It removes selfishness. And if disciplining it is about sin, pruning is about self. In pruning, God asks you to let go of good things that keep you from his kingdom purposes and your ultimate good. 
And this could be anything that stands in the way of God being a priority in your life. Because if he isn't first, if he isn't first, he's going to ask you to surrender that area of your life. And sometimes he prunes to mature. Sometimes he, he, he prunes to draw us into greater and deeper communion. And sometimes it's to make us more fruitful. But all of it, all of it is for our good. But then pruning also reveals the character that needs to grow. More love, more patience, endurance, grace, and kindness. How about this? The fruit of the Spirit. When God prunes, it's to make room for more fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And I said last week, there's a difference between knowing stuff and knowing the Savior. In fact, when you draw close to Jesus, your character will change. And listen, it's going to be, about, it's going to be more about who you are, listen to me, than what you can do. God isn't so concerned about what you can do. He's more concerned about who you are. What you do, please write this down, young people. What you do flows from who you are. What you do flows from who you are. For a season, I'll give testimony to this. You can fake it till you make it. But there will come a season in your life. Where everything that you value and everything that you hold dear will be stripped away. And if you haven't spent the time developing the character that God has for your life, you will wither away in time. So pruning deals with who we are. Who we are will determine what we do. Now, I want you to consider this morning, when you think about it, Life isn't easy. In fact, I would argue that life is fairly confusing. It's often complex. And if you're, if, you're, if you're honest, we don't always have all the answers, do we? And some of us like to act that way. I know I do. Like, I like to think I got an answer for the situation. In fact, I don't like being in situations where I don't have a solution. It drives me nuts. It causes me to get all anxious and stuff. But you know what? It doesn't always make sense to us when we go to following Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes Jesus asks, asks us to go places we never thought we would go. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do something we didn't think we could do. Just this week, I was reading the story in my Bible reading plan about Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you a nation, and you're going to have descendants that are far more than the, the, the stars that number the sky. And then he says, now, Abraham, I need you to follow me. And, and here's, what, here's what he says, where are we going? And this is what God says, I'll tell you when we get there. Right? It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't always, it, it's not always easy. It's not always simple. We don't always know what God is up to. Yet, Jesus reminds us in this text that with our pain in the journey, there comes a purpose. And sometimes God prunes our life not because we're in trouble, but because he has some good things in store for us. And he, he wants to make room by getting rid of the stuff in our, our life that's worthless and dead and even a distraction from his goodness. And there's, there's nothing we encounter, right? Nothing. There's nothing right now in your life or nothing in your life coming up that you will encounter that he isn't using to grow you and his kingdom. You, can you imagine for a minute, just think about this for a second, what, what would our families and our church be like if we grew to understand this powerful truth? Oh, man. 
we wouldn't complain and groan about everything going wrong in our lives, but we'd find joy and peace and purpose in the middle of every tragedy. Now, I want to preface that. That doesn't mean you got, like this week you got a call and you're like, hey, I just found out I got cancer. Praise God. You know, like, praise God for this cancer. But we don't waste the cancer. And in the midst of that, we find joy and we find peace and we find purpose. And even though we're hurting on the inside and even though we're confused and we're not sure what the next steps are going to be, we're not just living for this life, but we're living for the life to come. And we're also living for those around us because there are other people that are looking at our faith and they're, they're looking at our lives. And, and if our life can shine in the midst of a dark situation, may God be glorified. May he be lifted up. Sometimes, I'll be honest, it might take a minute to get there. I'm that way. I'm a bit obstinate, sometimes stubborn. And I'm not saying that you have to find joy because you got cancer, you're getting divorced, or you can't have children. But what I'm saying is is that sometimes God is pruning to make room in your life because there is a blessing. Listen, there is a blessing that is coming. Oh, man, there's something great that God has for you. And there's a faith that is being strengthened. You know, I think this morning, as we walk through this series on Abide, Mike's going to talk about fruit this week, and I'm going to talk about prayer in just a few weeks. But I just can't, in this text, I can't get over the incredible truth that God has invited me into communion with Him. And to really know Him. And to consider that God could use any means, could, He could use any means possible to make sure the gospel is spread, yet... He uses me and you, a broken people, to help broken people. I just, I can't get over that. And so this morning, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, just in the way of application that I want you to consider today. I want to ask you, first of all, have, have, have you made following Jesus your primary calling? Some of you this morning could honestly admit that you don't know Christ, and He's not the source of your life. He's not the source of your, your uh, relationship to God, and so there's a disconnect, right, between you and God. There's a disconnect between you and eternity. And there's some questions that you need answered. And you need to take that step in following Christ. And another question I'd ask is, is what is God pruning in my life right now to make room for more? Let me just ask you this morning. What is God pruning in your life to make room for more? And listen, are there any pursuits in my life that are hindering my calling to follow Jesus? What's distracting you right now from God's best in your life? What's hindering you from really going all in with Jesus today? How about this one? Are you pretending to be something you're not? You're just playing the game. And then you need to ask, what do I need to do to surrender so I can follow Jesus more closely? And am I trusting him when he prunes? Am I going deeper when he prunes? Am I becoming and growing more dependent when he prunes? Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many of you say to me, Pastor Jay, I know for sure that I'm a follower of Christ, and I can lift my hand and give testimony today that I'm right with God, I've been forgiven of my sins, and I know for sure that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and just give testimony of that? No one's looking around. No one's looking around. Now, how many of you say to me this morning, every head's bowed and every eye's closed, you say, Pastor Jay, I'm not sure that, that, I'm, that I'm right with God, that I've been forgiven of my sins, and that I have a home in heaven. Would you pray for me this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's here today? Just lift your hand. No one's, no one's looking around. Let me pray for you today. Now, how many of you would say to me this morning, Jay, I want to make more room for God's best in my life. And, and maybe right now you're in a season of pain. Maybe you're in a season of pruning and difficulty and challenge. 
You say to me this morning, Pastor Jay, I, I want to go deeper with God. I want God to bear fruit in my life. I want, I want Him to work on me. I want to be a part of this church and the mission of God that God is calling us to as a church. I want to be a part of that. Would you lift your hand? Let me just see those hands this morning. Amen. Amen. Hands all over the room. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's all stand to our feet this morning. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for Jesus Christ. God, I just think it's amazing that you love us. I think it's amazing that you invite us into a relationship with you. and You call us into the mission of God. And that without you, we're nothing. And that's not a statement of futility or fatality. It's just a statement of fact. All we are and all that we have and all that we can enjoy comes from you. And I pray that we'd walk day by day and moment by moment in that reality. Lord, it's, it's you and nothing else. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we just, once again, as we gather as a church family today, we recommit our hearts and our lives to following you, to being faithful to you, and Lord, being fruitful for your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As John sings this